Amen. Hey, can we give a round of applause and say thank you to our student worship team? Um, Kaylee, who was standing right here, she's our high school uh, worship leader. And then Alyssa, who is over there, she leads our junior high each week and worship. And then many, pretty much everybody up on the stage um, participates in Sunday nights in some way, shape, or form. So I'm, I'm really thankful for them. Um, if you hadn't noticed, uh, I'm not Pastor Doug. Uh, my name is Bryson. I'm the student pastor here at FBCO. And uh, I am just very excited and honored that I get to uh, preach and share God's word with you. Before I do that, um, do just want to share uh, about Men's Wild Game Dinner. Um, this is coming up on October 14th. And uh, so I, I just want to give this challenge, okay? I've always kind of felt this. Um, our church, well, because we, our church, we believe in, in, in male leadership. And so um, I, I'm, I'm like, I, I love, like there's some boss women leaders, don't hear me say that wrong. But, but we believe that, that men are called to lead the home, called to lead the church. And our church will only be as strong as the men in it. And so, men, I want to give you this challenge to not just see this as another event, um, but to see this as an opportunity to come, to be encouraged in your faith, to be strengthened um, just in community with other, with other men in our church. And so it's October 14th. Um, tickets do typically sell out for this. And so if you want more information, you can go to the bookstore Connection Point, or you can always go visit um, our website as well. And so I um, just want to share that with you guys. It's next Thursday night, October 14th. And uh, I won't be there because I'm actually going to be on an uh, anniversary trip. It's going to be my wife's and I's five-year anniversary. And, uh, and uh, that doesn't sound like a lot, but statistically speaking in America, uh, that is a huge accomplishment. And so uh, she puts up with a lot. That's the accomplishment. And so, uh, hey, if you guys have your Bibles, go ahead and open to Matthew chapter 14. Hopefully you guys are excited um, for the word this morning. Um, I can tell you that the 940 service, um, man, they were like saying amen. They were clapping like, like there was a woman standing up waving a hanky earlier. So um, I'm not saying you got to do that, but I, I promise if you will respond, I will preach better, okay? So if you want good preaching this morning, an amen every now and then, uh, that's right, I keep preaching, like the little swoosh thing that my students do sometimes, you're welcome to do any of that kind of stuff. Um, so this morning, I thought about if I only had one opportunity to preach on a Sunday morning. I've never preached on a Sunday morning before, and so if I had one opportunity, if Pastor Doug said, hey, you're never speaking again on a Sunday morning, what would I... <laughs> Wrong time, the, the right word, wrong placement. But, but where would I want to, but, but I expect an amen next time when it's a good point, okay? Um, but what would, I, what would I want to speak on? And I felt like the Lord was leading me to speak on faith, to, to speak on faith. And so we, to, to know this sermon, we have to know what faith is. And so faith is not a feeling. Like, do you guys get that? Like, faith is not like warm fuzzies. It's not just feeling good. It's not the goosebumps you get during worship. That's not faith. Faith, according to the Bible, in Hebrews chapter 11, you don't have to turn there. It says this. It says, faith is the reality of what is hoped for, the proof of what is not yet seen. Faith is not a feeling. Faith is belief in God for something that we have not yet seen. That, that has not yet happened, that we can't maybe picture in our mind. And I don't know if you all know this or not, but this is a church that was built on faith. It's a church that was built on faith. And, and, and you're like, oh yeah, we, we have faith in God. No, I mean like, like we are sitting here in this room today because back in 1973, there were 12 men and women that got together who believe God for great things. And I want to read this, this passage. It's not a passage. It's just a kind of a note from our church's history. I want to share a little bit about this. It says this. It says, in 1973, only 12 people remain committed to a dying church. That is this church. That is the church you are sitting in. That is the pew you are sitting in right now in terms of the physical building and the people. 
this small group met together under a tree on church grounds, not, the, not even the grounds we're sitting at, a different location. And so, so they met together on a Sunday night, seeking God's direction for the future. Some thought they might, sh- they, they might need to shut the doors, that they should shut the doors of the church which had existed for over 100 years, but others sensed that God was not finished with them yet. After praying, they were convinced that God still had a plan for FBCO and recommitted to the legacy of faith. Little could they know how much God had in store for them in the coming years. And so I got to speak with a man. I, I called Pastor Skip, and this weekend I said, hey, I said, there's this story. I said, are any of those people, those 12, still here in our church? And he gave me the names of a couple people. And one of those, those men is named Frank Tempia. And Frank is a deacon here in our church. Um, he serves in our church. He's faithful to our church, um, him and his wife. And so I, called, I got the honor of calling him yesterday. I just said, Frank, tell me about this. Tell me about this time. So he starts telling me about what was happening. So first off, he told me about how he had pretty much grown up in the church since he was two years old. And uh, he said that he met his wife in youth groups. So shout out. I'm just saying, like, there are examples of faithfulness to youth group students. So I just, just hear that. Um, so he met his wife in youth group. And he said that there was just, the church had just died. He said the church was just in decline. People just, they weren't reaching the community anymore. Um, they didn't have a pastor. They just had an interim pastor. Um, that just means someone who's in between. And, and so they got together on a Sunday night, and they just met underneath a tree. And, and they said, he said they just prayed. And here's, I, I quoted him. Here's something that he said that, that just really stood out to me. When I asked him, I was like, what was happening? He said this. He said, we truly believed God wanted to do something, a moving of his spirit in O'Fallon through our church. So 12 people got together on a Sunday night to pray and said, you know what? God's not finished with us yet. We believe the best is yet to come. We believe the future is bright if we will commit in faith to what God has called us to do. And we are sitting in this building, in this room, a hundred times over what that group of 12 gathered with 50-something years ago. And I have to ask ourselves, yeah, you guys can clap for that. That's okay. And church, I want to ask you this question. 12 people gathered. Something 1,200 people every Sunday morning in this, in, 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 at our church. What could 1,200 people in faith, stepping out, believing God for great things, do to reach? Not, we're not talking about building a bigger building. Because I'm not Pastor Doug. I'm not in charge of any of that stuff. I'm not talking about more services. Again, I'm not in charge of that. I'm, I'm talking about reaching people. Reaching our community. Frank said this. He said, I, we believe God's spirit was moving through O'Fallon. And our church, we wanted to be a part of it. And I think God is still using FBCO. I think, I, think these, these past, I think these past 18, 20-something months, I think we have seen that God is not done with this church. There are people sitting in this room today who were not here two years ago. There are people sitting in here who are saved, who, who because of the faithfulness of 12 people, 12 people, they, they came here, and they got connected, and they heard the gospel, and they, they gave their life to Christ. So if 12 people can do that in faith, what, what could we do? What could we do? Remember, faith is not feelings. You, you, you may have faith even though you don't feel like it. Faith is not the reality of what is hoped for. It is the proof of what is not yet seen. We can't even see what God's going to do with FBCO in 50 years. But wouldn't you love to be a part of that story? Wouldn't you be love to be a part of that testimony that we, we transformed O'Fallon that, 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 that the equivalent of the Jesus movement back in the 70s happened here in St. Louis, Illinois, because one church, one church committed to faith. 
to living out in faith. And so this morning, we're going to look at a, at a passage in Matthew chapter 14. And we're going to talk this morning about how to have faith in the middle of a storm. How to have faith in the middle of a storm. I, faith is, again, it's not a feeling. It, it, it's confidence in, in the Lord. It, it's believing in God, even though we can't see things. It's, it's obedient action to what God has made known through his word. That is faith. And yet sometimes, like while there are, are hundreds of examples of faith in the Bible, I think sometimes the hardest place to have faith is in the middle of a storm. Because there, there's, there's so many examples. I, I think about Abraham, who God called him, and he left his home. He left his family, and he went to a land he had never seen. He went in faith. I think about Noah, who spent a hundred years building a boat, and it had never rained. Can you imagine that? Can you imagine if God said, do this, and you're like, but that's never happened before. And God says, yeah, I'm not doing something old. I'm doing something new. And God wants to do something new in our lives. He wants to do something new in our church. But for some of us, we're going through a storm right now. Some of us are going through a storm. We're going through a difficulty. For, for some of us in here, your marriage is falling apart. It's just holding on by the seam. For some of you, that like finances, you're not sure, you're not sure how you're going to afford your next meal. For some of you, you have children who are lost, who are far away from God, who are living apart from this world. For some of you, you guys have health issues. You got the diagnosis from the doctor. You have chronic issues that, that just you don't understand, or even worse, you got the, the, the note from the doctor that said, we don't even know what's wrong with you. Some of you guys are going through storms right now. Some of you guys have been rejected. You've been passed over. You've been overlooked. You didn't get what you thought. You're just going through a difficult time right now. And my pastor before, like, he used to have the saying, it just kind of, you know how sometimes stuff just kind of sticks into your mind. He used to say this. He used to say, when we talk about a storm, we're not just talking about the people in the storm. See, there's, there's three kind of people in this room today, and it applies to every single one of us. There are people who are going into a storm. You may not see it. It's on the horizon. Maybe you do see it, but you're going into it. Things are okay right now, but, but there's something up ahead. You may not even know about it, and a storm's going to come. Some of you are in the middle of the storm right now. The waves are crashing all around you. The world feels like it's falling apart. Everything just feels hopeless and helpless. You're in the middle of a storm. Some of you guys are, are going out of a storm, and you're just like, oh my gosh, you're just trying to breathe. You're saying, praise God for that, but I'm telling you, you're either going into a storm, you're in a storm, or you're leaving a storm. And guess what? If you're leaving the storm, there's another storm ahead. So this applies to every single one of us. We will all go through battles. We will all face difficulties and challenges in our lives. The Bible does not promise us a good life. Like, do you, do you guys know that? Like, I don't know what Bible you're reading, but my Bible says in John chapter 16, verse 33, Jesus says, uh, in this world you will have trials and tribulations. Like, you're going to expect this. This is going to happen. He doesn't say you might or it'll happen occasionally. He says, no, no, believer, Christian, you will face trials. You will go through tribulation. You will have difficulties in your life. And the problem is that in American Christianity, we don't want to talk about that. Everybody's drowning in the storm, but it's all about being comfortable. It's about our wants and our needs and how we can be fed spiritually. And let me tell you, Christian, let me tell you this. I'm not even on my notes right now. That's okay. I preached this at 940, so it's kind of all fresh right here. Let me, let me tell you this. God did not save you, set you free, so that you could sit in a pew each week and that be the extent of your faith. All right, that's what I'm talking about right there. That was the appropriate place for an amen, okay? I'm going to say that again. I don't need another amen, but, but God did not save us and set us free from sin 
so that all we did was sit on a pew. And you know the average church attendance is once a month. I, listen, if you come once a month, praise God you're here once a month. I'm not judging you. I'm just saying. Like, is that the extent of Christianity? There has to be more to this. There has to be more to this. And I think for some of us, the problem is, is we struggle to have faith because we go through a storm and we don't know how to have faith through it. See, we can believe God for big things sometimes. We want the promotion. We're praying, God, give me the promotion. We want the raise. God, give me the raise. Right? We, we want things to be better. We, we, we know that, we, that God can do big things, but we kind of are like, eh, I don't know if he will. But when we're in the middle of a storm, we don't see any of that. So if you guys have your Bibles... Look at Matthew chapter 14. Um, there should be a Bible in front of you um, on your phone. Hey, I want to encourage you. Do not just hear the word. Read the word. Um, it is not just enough to hear me speak it. Um, I would say it would matter more that you read it yourself. Uh, the word of God is living and active. It's not me speaking. It's the word of God speaking this morning. But it's up on the screens if you, if you don't want to read, uh, if you don't have a, a physical copy in your hands. But Matthew chapter 14, here's what's going on. It says this, it says, Immediately he, being Jesus, made the disciples get into the boat and go ahead of him to the other side, while he dismissed the crowds. After dismissing the crowds, he went up to the mountain by himself to pray. Well into the night he was there alone. Meanwhile, the boat was already some distance from land, battered by the waves, because the wind was against them. Jesus came toward them walking on the sea very early in the morning. And when the disciples saw him walking on the water, they were terrified. It's a ghost, they said, and they cried out in fear. And immediately Jesus spoke to them, have courage, it is I, don't be afraid. Lord, if it's you, Peter answered him, command me to come to you on the water. And Jesus said, come. And climbing out of the boat, Peter started walking on the water and came towards Jesus. Verse 30. But when he saw the strength of the wind, he was afraid. Peter was afraid. And beginning to sink, he cried out, Lord, save me. Immediately, Jesus reached out his hand, caught hold of him, and said to him, You of little faith, why did you doubt? And when they got in the boat, the wind ceased. Then those in the boat worshipped him and said, Truly, you are the Son of God. So that's the passage we're going to be talking about this morning. This is the story we're going to be talking about. This isn't just a story. This really happened. This really was a true event that took place. And, but, but in order to fully appreciate this, we do kind of have to understand what's going on. And so in Matthew chapter 14, what we learn is that there was a man named John the Baptist. And John the Baptist was a preacher, and, and, and uh, he was also the cousin of Jesus. And John the Baptist has been killed um, by the government. And so I can imagine, I mean, can you just imagine... You have a family member that's just passed away. You're, like Jesus was fully God, but he was fully man. He felt things just like we felt things. He was just perfect in them. But I can imagine that the heart of Jesus was grieved. And then it says that he fed 5,000. Now the Bible records 5,000 men, meaning that like, there was women and children. So who knows really how many people were there. And this is the story of the five loaves and the two fish. You can go back and read it later if you want. And so I also imagine, like imagine that you're, you've just gone through this moment. Like, your, your family member has passed away. That is a hard thing for anybody to walk through or to go through. It's, it, it, it's, it's just, it's a moment of grief. And then Jesus then goes, and now he ministers to these people. Like, that's a, like a whole other sermon for another day about how ministering can be exhausting sometimes. But, but it says this, that Jesus went away by himself. And I think if Jesus goes away to be by himself to pray, sometimes we need to do that. But again, that's another sermon for another day. But what happens is, is it says that he sent the disciples onto the boat. Here's why this matters. That Jesus sent, like Jesus could have sent them any direction. 
They could have gone on land. They could have gone up with him to pray. Anything could have happened. And yet, they were in the storm because they obeyed God, because they obeyed Jesus. And I want you to hear tonight that sometimes storms come not because we do bad things, but sometimes storms happen even when we're following Jesus. Sometimes storms will take place, and they will happen, despite your faithfulness to God. And the thing is, is that he, they were placed there, and what happens at the very end, that God has given glory through it. And so maybe you're in a place this morning, you're not, maybe not physically here, but just in your life in general, you are in a place that you would have not put yourself in, but God has placed you there, even though you're going through some difficult things right now, so that he may be given glory and honor through your faithfulness, through your faith in him, through your, through your obedience to the word of God. And so that's where the disciples find themselves. In, in Mark's gospel, um, we actually learn that um, it says this. It says, Jesus saw the boat in the middle of the lake. He was up on the, 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 the mountain. And he said the disciples were straining at the oars because the wind was against them. They have been rowing and rowing for hours. So most people think that this takes place between 3 to 6 in the morning. So I want you to imagine like anyone ever seen Deadliest Catch, just like those massive waves? I want you to imagine that you are in this boat and that you have just been rowing and rowing and rowing for hours upon hours upon hours. You are soaking wet. You are exhausted physically. Your arms, you just have nothing left to give. You just mentally, you are tired. I mean, if you've ever stayed up all night, I'm just going to be honest. Youth, there's a reason why we don't do lock-ins. Um, I can't do lock-ins, okay? Um, you get to about 2 in the morning, you're like, no, I'm done. But they're just rowing and rowing and rowing, and they are exhausted. It says they're straining. And some of us in here this morning, that's where you find yourself. You are just exhausted by all the things we talked about earlier. Your marriage, your finances, your family, your job, your school, all of these different things. You're in a storm, and you are just exhausted. So how do we... How do we as Christians, how do we have faith in God while we're going through these storms? Because remember, like if you're like, Bryson, things are great and good in my life, that's awesome. Use this as preparation for what's coming ahead. If you're in the middle of a storm this morning, I pray this encourages you. And if you're leaving a storm, I pray you give glory to God and prepare for what's coming up. Because I'm not, I'm not like trying to do, be doom and gloom. Like that's, not, that's all I'm about. I literally just said the future is bright, the best is yet to come. But that doesn't mean our life is going to always be easy. So how do we have faith in God through these things? And so there's three things. If you're a note taker, I want you to write these three things down. How do we have faith in God in the middle of a storm? Number one is this, is call out to God in the middle of the storm. How to, how to have wavy faith is what I'm calling it. How to have faith in the middle of the storm. Call out to God in the middle of the storm. Here's what's really cool actually about this passage. Is that they didn't call out to God first. Jesus called out to them. Like, do you guys see that? Do you see that in the text? That, that, that they were afraid. It says that they thought Jesus was a ghost. Like, I mean, again, the mental exhaustion, the physical fatigue. Like, who knows, like, how they felt in that moment. And they see, I mean, like, let's just be real. You see something, a person walking on the water, you're probably going to be a little afraid too. And so they see this, this figure walking on the water, and they are fearful. And Jesus speaks, and he says, don't be afraid. It is I. Don't be afraid. Can I, can I tell you that, that in the middle of your storm right now, it is so easy to be afraid? Fear is not new to this world. It is, it is not a new concept. There is always something to be afraid of. The enemy 
If he can keep you in fear, he can keep you away from faith. And so, so Jesus speaks, and he says, don't be afraid. He says, it is I. The, the, the phrase, it is I, echoes in the original language, because I don't know if you all knew this, the Bible wasn't written in English. And so in the original language, it echoes what was said in Exodus. When, when Moses says, who should I say that they sent me? And God says, I am that I am. And so Jesus, in this moment, he says, hey, don't be afraid. I am. I am your peace. I am your comfort. I am Jehovah Jireh. I am the one who provides. I am everything that you need. And right now in the storm that you're in and that you're going through, God is speaking. And he's saying, hey, don't be afraid. I am. I am what you need. I am these things. And if you've never looked through the names of God, it's a beautiful study to go through sometime on your own. But but here's what I love about this passage. Because I like to use my imagination. I have a big imagination. So I like to use my imagination. How did Peter and the disciples hear Jesus? It's not a trick question. I want you to imagine for a second the situation. So Jesus is up on the mountain. And he's praying. He sees the disciples in the middle of a storm. You know that Jesus could have just said, boom. And, the, and everything could have been okay. Like he could have just, from the mountaintop, said, peace be still, and it would just be good. But he didn't do that. He came down off the mountain. He came down off the mountain. He started walking on water to the disciples. He didn't wait till the disciples got to the other end. So you hear that? Jesus didn't wait until the disciples were through the storm. He came to them in the middle of the storm. Now, Jesus could have done some sort of God thing that I don't understand and he could have spoken, and it could have just belted out. But, but have you ever been driving in the middle of a storm? The rain is coming down. you got to turn down your radio just to see what's happening because you're like, I can't hear, so therefore I can't see. Anyone else? Okay, that's just, that's just me. But I want you to imagine sweltering waves, rain crashing down on you, wind, and somehow they hear the voice of Jesus. So here's what I believe. I believe that they heard the voice of Jesus, not because he was far, but because he was close. They could hear Jesus, not because he was on the mountaintop, not because he was some distant figure in, 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 on the ocean, on the sea, because he was close. And I want you to know that God is close to you in your storm. How do I know that? Because this is a picture of salvation. See, God could have just proclaimed his love from the heavens. He could have done it in so many, he could have written it in the skies for people to believe, and yet he sent his son, Jesus Christ, to this earth to take on human form and human flesh, to live among us. The Bible says in, in, in John chapter 1 that he, he dwelt among us. He lived like us. He, he became human. He, he was tempted like we were, but he didn't fail or fall into sin, right? Like that he, he grieved, that he wept, that, that he felt pain, and he did these things. Not so that he could be distant, but so that Jesus could be close. And I want you to know that, that Jesus is close. And so Peter hears the voice of God. And he says, Lord, if it's you. Now, a lot of people take that to mean that he doubted. Lord, if it's you. That's not, that's not what he's saying. Again, the, the original language you have to kind of understand. But he's basically saying, Lord, it is you. And he recognizes the voice of Jesus. And I want to ask you, if Jesus was to call out to you in the middle of your storm, would you recognize him as Lord, as God, as Savior, or would you think it was a ghost? Now, I don't literally mean like, boo, Halloween ghost. You know what I mean? 
but I mean, would you recognize the voice of God? And so many of us, you're like, Bryson, how is Jesus close? I can't hear him. Have you opened your Bible? Like, you cannot say that God is silent if your Bible is closed. You can't say that you can't hear from God when the last, like, the only time you pray is in between the worship service songs. Like, that, like, pray, right? That's great. I'm all for, like, the praying in between the worship service songs. I have no problem with that. But is that it in your life? Is that the only time you pray? Is the only time you ever hear the word of God when it's up on the screen from the preacher? That you're not going to hear God that way. If, if that was my marriage, can you imagine if, if, if Sarah, the only time I ever talked to you was on Sunday morning for five minutes? We would not be going on a five-year anniversary trip right now, I can tell you that, right? That would not be happening because that's not a relationship. That's a formality. And so many of us are comfortable in living a formal relationship with God. Where I come, I sit, I do my church thing, I go home, and I live however I want. And the problem is, is when we hear live however we want, we think about drug addicts and alcoholics. We think about prostitutes. We think about people who are just partying and living life on the edge. But can I tell you, living however you want is also when you go from Sunday to Sunday with no thought of God in between. That's called apathy. And that's just as much of sin as, as the person who's partying on the weekends. Do you know the Bible says that to those who know the right thing to do and don't do it, it is a sin? Do you know that you're supposed to read the Word of God? Do you know that you're supposed to pray? That's a sin. And then you wonder why you're not filled with the Holy Spirit. You wonder why you're not empowered to preach the gospel. You wonder why, because it's not my job, it's not just my job to preach the gospel. I hope you all know that. The Bible never says preachers can only preach the gospel. It says we are all called to go and to make disciples, to preach the good news. But you wonder why God is so silent. I want to ask you, when was the last time you took time, I mean real time, to sit, to be silent, like to put your phone away, like to turn the TV off? Like, can I tell you, like one day, like I'm not that old, but can I tell you that I, there's not been a lot of value I've gotten from rewatching TV shows 1,500 times? Can I tell you that social media has probably hurt my life more than it's helped my life? And yet we are so consumed with things that in the grand scheme of this world will not matter. And we neglect the things that we say are most important. And so in the middle of your storm, call out to God, whether you feel like you can hear him or not, call out to God. Call out to God. He is close. I promise he is close. So that's how you live in faith. Call out to God even when you don't feel it, even when the situation doesn't look like it's there. Call out to God. The second thing is this, and I'm going to start preaching if that's okay. Um, it, it says this. Well, it doesn't say this. I'm jumping ahead. The second thing, if you're taking notes, write this down. Take a step of faith towards Jesus. Take a step of faith towards Jesus. And so, so Peter says, Lord, if it's you, he says, Lord, because it is you, command me to come out onto the water to you. And so here's what's really powerful about that, because Peter gets a really bad rap. He does, because, because what happens is he, he, he kind of loses focus. We're going to talk about that in a second. He loses focus, and he starts to sing, and everyone's like, oh, look at Peter. He doubted. He's bad. And I'm like, yeah, but he got out of the boat. Like, he got out of the boat because Jesus said, come. Be, because Peter said, Lord, if it's you, because it's you, I hear your voice. Command me to do this. 
you know, in the church, I'm not talking about FBCO necessarily, but just Christian culture in America today. See, we've done something really awful. We've, we've redefined some terms very casually. See, when we, when we hear the word command, we've, we've kind of redefined that to mean suggestion. So that's why when the preacher gets up and says, this is a command of God, you're like, eh, I'm good. <laughs> like he's literally saying this will bless and benefit your life. And you're like, mm, I'll, I'll, if I feel like it. Peter didn't say, Lord, suggest me to walk out into the water. He didn't say, if it's convenient, ask me to come out to the water. He said, Lord, command me to step out in faith. And Jesus says, come. And so Peter, it's crazy, but he asked for it. Do you realize he, he asked for what happened? And he follows the Lord in obedience. He follows the word of God in obedience. And how many of us, like, let me preach to myself. How about this? I'm going to preach to myself. And if it applies to you, that's awesome. How often have I sat in a church service, at a conference, watched something online, been in a Bible study, gone to life group, done all of these things, know what the Word of God says, and yet never do it? I don't live it out. Like, I'll confess my sins to you. I sometimes struggle to follow what the Word of God says. And you're like, oh, me too. Okay, good. We're all in the same boat together. Literally the same boat. Okay? Haha, <laughs> some of you guys got that. That's okay. <laughs> and yet he, he followed in obedience. But here's, the, here's what's really kind of crazy. That word, when Jesus says come, it, it, it implies an open invitation. That means the invitation to walk out onto the water was not just for Peter. It was for all the disciples, all 12 of them in the boat. Peter was the only one brave enough to get out of the boat. To step out in faith. And so I, I want to ask you, why, 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 why Peter? Because it is comfortable in the boat. It feels safe. It feels good. It feels peaceful. I mean, like, but think about this. Where would you rather be? In the boat or with Jesus? And Peter said, you know what? Like, this boat can sink. It, like, it might float, but, like, I'm going to step out in faith. I would rather be with Jesus than be comfortable. And a lot of us don't realize that Jesus, in, like the Bible does not call us to a comfortable life. Like, I don't know if y'all realize, like, there's nothing wrong with having nice things. I'm not saying if you have nice things that you're like living in sin. I'm saying that God will call us to do things that we don't like. Let me give you one of the best examples. Have you ever felt the Holy Spirit press on your heart to share the gospel with someone? That can be one of the scariest, most awkward, uncomfortable things. Because it's like, what do you, what do you say? And then you start to kind of blah, blah, blah. And then you're like, you walk away and you're like, that was awful. I'm never doing that again. It's uncomfortable. It's awkward. It's not fun. But yet, is that not what we're called to do? And so I want to ask you this morning, church, what is God calling you to do? And it might seem a little crazy. It might seem crazy. To us, it seems crazy. To God, it's just faith. And you may not feel like it, and you may not want to, but I promise you, I promise you, it is better to be here with Jesus to be in, than to be in the boat and be comfortable. But you have to get out of the boat. And Jesus did not make Peter. Peter responded to the word. And so what is faith? Faith is confident action when a God has made known. We may not see it, but we can respond to it. 
So when you read the word for yourself, when you hear God through his word speak, respond. And you might go, okay, this is crazy. Like, let me just tie into to Pastor Don's message last week. I've never given before. I've never tithed, but I feel like I'm supposed to. I'm going to step out in faith and I'm going to do it. That's a scary thing. I'm not preaching on tithing, so everyone calm down. But, but that's, that's a real example. That's a real thing. Many of us wrestle with that. God, am I going to have enough if I give this? Are you going to take care of me? I, you may not know what's going to happen, but it's, it's obedience before outcome. Church, it's obedience before outcome. Even if this is not what you imagined it to be, still obey and follow God. Still obey and follow God. You have to take a step of faith toward Jesus. Don't be comfortable sitting in the boat just because it feels safe. James 2.14 says this. It says, faith without works is dead. Church, are we dead in our faith? Is this a dead church? I don't think it is. I don't think this is a dead church. I think this is a church that loves people, that loves God, that wants to reach our community. But it, it, it takes all of us. It can't just be Pastor Doug. Church, it can't just be Pastor Doug. We have to step out in faith. And I don't know what, he's, what the Lord is speaking to him on sabbatical, so I'm, I, I, if he's watching online, I apologize, Pastor Doug, if I say anything I'm not supposed to. But what if he came... And two Sundays and said, church, I got something crazy for you, but I know God is calling us to do it. Would you step out in faith with him? I will. I follow my pastor. I submit to my pastor. I love my pastor. And I'm not saying it's easy. <laughs> Sometimes we have to do things that aren't comfortable, that we don't always like, that don't sound fun or pleasant. But I want to ask, will you step out of the boat? Will you step out in faith? What is God calling you to do? The third thing Third thing is this, if you're taking notes, how are we going to live out in faith, church? How are we going to live out? We're going to call out to God. We're going to take a step. And third thing is this, if you're taking notes, we're going to keep our faith focused on Jesus. We're going to keep our faith focused on Jesus. So this is the part that Peter kind of gets the bad rap for. It says in the, in the, in the scripture that he saw, so he steps out of the boat, he starts walking on water. Like, I, I can only imagine, like, what that looked like. I, I mean, like, I'd probably be like, okay, so it's like, are we for real right now? I'd be like, okay, this is kind of cool. Like, you know that Peter is the only person apart from Jesus in the Bible that walked on water? Like, he's, this is the only time that this happens, and so he's walking on water. And all of a sudden, like, he's walking towards Jesus. And I remember, if Jesus is close, it probably wasn't that far of a walk. Like, I just want you to, like, it, it wasn't like Peter was running half marathons to get to Jesus on the water, right? The, 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 the sea was only five miles long, so at best, that's about as far as he could go. But he walks on the water, and it says that he, he sees the wind. Now, what does that mean? What does it mean that he saw? Because I don't, I don't know about you. I, I can't see wind. Like, you can feel it. You can experience it, but you can't see it. So, so I have to ask myself, what, what, what did he see? Did he see did he see, like, the, the rain kind of coming down on him? I don't know. Did he see the, the wind blow up the, the water? Maybe. I actually think, I didn't really talk about this earlier, um, but I actually think that, that potentially what he saw was spiritual warfare. And, and some of you are like, what? Where did you get that? So when it says in the passage that they were battered by the wind and that the wind was against them, that word battered actually in the original language means tormented. 
and the other times that is used in the New Testament is in connection with demonic activity. And so, I, so take a step back. So they're battered by the wind. They're tormented. It was against them. And so maybe, just maybe, as Peter stepped out in faith, he experienced a little bit of spiritual warfare. Maybe he saw something. I don't know. We don't know. We weren't there in that moment. But it says that the wind was against him. That same wind was against him. And let me just say this. Maybe that's not, maybe, maybe it was just a giant wave and he got afraid. Maybe it was spiritual warfare. I don't know. But, but there's still application. Christian, when you step out in faith, you will be attacked. Like, like the enemy does not want revival to happen at this church. The enemy does not want you to be in your word. He doesn't want you to pray. He doesn't want you to serve. He doesn't want you to witness. He doesn't want you to worship God. He doesn't want you to do all of these different things because it gives glory to God. He would rather keep you in fear because fear will keep you from your faith. And so I don't know what he saw, but it said that he was afraid. It said that Peter was afraid. Maybe it was spiritual warfare. Let me, let me just say this. Spiritual warfare is very misunderstood. Spiritual warfare is not, oh, I had a bad day. Okay, we, we, all, we all have bad days. Spiritual warfare might even be a storm that we're going through, but, but, but hear me. I don't know what it looks like in your life, but when you start to follow Jesus, when you start to take steps, because again, the disciples, well, it's even more than just following Jesus. The disciples followed Jesus. All 12 of them obeyed Jesus. Only Peter stepped out in faith. And when you step out in faith to what God has called you to do, I promise you, I don't promise you, but I, I believe you will experience spiritual attack. And though the waves are crashing around you, though the world is falling apart, keep your eyes on Jesus. It says that he lost his focus, he became afraid. But what I love, what I love, love, love is another picture of God's grace. It says that immediately he began to sink. So, I, I, again, I have an imagination. I like to think that it didn't, he didn't just go like, you know, kerplunk underneath the water. I, I imagine him like, like almost like a, like, a, like a platform, like he's just slowly going down. Because isn't that just how it works? It doesn't just happen like that. It is a slow process that we take our eyes off of Jesus. We begin to sink. It's, it's one day not coming to church or watching online. It, it's, it's a couple days of not reading your Bible. And then all of a sudden before you know it, you're just completely drowning. And yet, in that moment, it says immediately Jesus reached out and he grabbed him and he pulled him up. So maybe in here you're drowning. You feel like you're just drowning in life. I want you to know that Jesus is close. That he's calling out to you and he's right there to reach out, to grab you and to pull you up. And so what happens is, is he, he puts them back into the boat. And it says that the other disciples glorify God because of it. What if, through your faith, other people saw Jesus? What if through your faith, other people glorify God? And it says to the disciples, can I tell you that you can encourage someone in here, in your life group, by you stepping out in faith. I'm going to have the worship team um, come up um, as, we, as we prepare to close. I want, I want to tell you guys a story, though, um, about faith. I want you guys to know that faith does not always mean that you get what you want. Faith is believing in God even though you can't see the end result and praising Him through it. There was a, a girl in our last church, and uh, her name was Tashayla Clayton, and she was 15 years old, and Sarah and I um, got to serve in the youth ministry at our last church, and, um, and she was just the sweetest, sweetest girl you ever saw. Um, just had the biggest smile, so friendly, so welcoming, was so loved by everyone who knew her. She always had a Starbucks in her hand, 
And I would always say, hey, where's mine? And it was just kind of a joke. I didn't really actually mean it. And then uh, one Wednesday night for church, she walks in, and she has a, a cup of coffee for me. And she was just so thoughtful and so sweet. And um, she didn't come to church for a couple weeks, and that was not like her. She was very faithful, very active. And at 15 years old, she finds out that she has a form of bone cancer in her arm um, that has a 2% survival rate. Can you imagine that, 15 years old? And we come to find out that, um, that it just, she went to St. Jude's and she did all these things and um, just kept getting worse and worse. But she had a Facebook group of like 5,000-something people. And they would post and they were like, we're praying and we're believing in God for great things. And through that difficulty in her life, she actually went to a revival service and she gave her life and heart to Jesus Christ. She realized, I'm not, I'm not saved. But she gave her, her heart to Christ in that moment. And I, and I promise you, it was not a lack of prayer. We would go as a youth group on Wednesday nights and we would stand outside the hospital because we weren't allowed in her room. And we would pray. We would hold hands. We would pray. There were people there every single day praying for her, praying for her, praying for her. People across the country didn't even know her. She was on news stations and channels praying for her. But the Lord took her home. He didn't answer our prayer in the way we thought. But she had a, what was, we, they don't really call them funerals anymore when they're younger people, they're celebration of life services. She had a celebration of life service, 2,000 something people packed the room, and I think about 50 people, through her testimony, gave their heart and life to Jesus Christ. And he was glorified because people stepped out in faith. And I want to ask you, church, is it just about coming and sitting in a service? I don't think it is. It's about stepping out of the boat in faith, not knowing the results, but knowing that through your faith, God will be glorified. So if you're in here this morning and you're like, Bryson, I'm, I'm not a Christian, this probably sounds super crazy to you. This probably sounds, you're like, this is, this is weird. This is insane. But, but I want you to know that through faith, you can have a relationship with God. That God loved you so much that he came down from heaven to earth. That he, he lived a perfect life that we couldn't live. And he died the death we deserved on the cross. So that you and I could know him. Could be saved and set free from our sins. Again, not saved from our struggles. But I promise you, it's so much better to know Jesus through the storm. If you're a Christian in here, and so afterwards, I'm going to be at Connection Point. We'll have a deacon up here at the front who can pray with you. If you have questions, we'll be back there. But, but if you're a Christian in here this morning, I just want to ask you this one question. If Jesus has saved you and set you free, will you step out of the boat? Will you step out of the boat? In the middle of the most difficult season of your life, of what you're going through right now, will you have the faith to believe in God? even when you can't see. Church, if you would stand with me with your heads bowed and your eyes closed, we're going to have a response time this morning. And a response time is just a, a time to connect with Christ. This is a time, church, for you to pray, for, for you to just take some time, maybe just right there in your seat. You just need to sit down. You just need to pray. Maybe you need to come to the altar. Maybe you just need to be with God. Maybe you need to worship God. Even if you're going through a storm, can I tell you, worship God, whether you feel it or not, whether no matter if you're going through a good season or a bad season, worship the Lord. 
If you need to talk with someone, we'll be out there at the connection point desk ready to receive you and just to pray with you and talk with you, not to make you feel bad or anything like that. We just want to help you and just talk with you. But church, here's my only encouragement. Please just don't stand there and do nothing. You may not like singing, that's okay. Sing out in faith anyway. You may not want to pray, pray anyway. But don't just stand there and stare, respond to what God is doing. So let's pray together. Father, we just want to come before you, God. Lord, and we thank you so much that you are so close. God, there are some people in our church this morning. They're battling through some things. Their marriage is hurting. Their family feels like it's falling apart. Their finances are just covering over their heads. They feel just drowned in, in debt and bills. And there are people in our church who have cancer and chronic illness. And there are people in our church who their children are just, they're far away from you. And there, there are people in our church, Lord, that they, they just, they don't know what's next and they're hurting. But God, remind them this morning that you are so close. You are so close to them, even though they're going through this difficult time. And Father God, I just ask and pray in the name of Jesus that this would be a church that would continue the legacy of faith that we were built on. God, what would happen if 1,200-something people committed, gathered together to praying, to seeking you, to obeying you, to, to, to asking for revival in our church, in our community? God, we're believing you for great things. Lord, we believe your word when it says in Ephesians that you can do infinitely more and we can ask, think, or imagine according to the power that is working within us. Lord, you want to use us, and we are so humbled by that. God, may we be a church that steps out in faith, that gets out of our comfort zone, believes you for great things. May we respond to your word this morning. It's in your name I pray. Amen.